Welcome to the Healthcare Executive Podcast, providing you with insightful commentary and developments in the world of healthcare leadership. To learn more, visit ACHE.org. And without further ado, your host, Chris Caraggio. Thanks for joining the ACHE Healthcare Executive Podcast. We are so glad that you are joining us today. The episode for this segment is Healthcare Jobs in a Post-Pandemic Market, and our guest is Donna Padilla. We're going to start our conversation with Donna in just a moment, but first a little bit more about her. Donna is a managing partner and leader of Whitkeefer's Healthcare Practice. Whitkeefer is a global executive search firm dedicated to organizations that improve quality of life in healthcare, education, life sciences, and not-for-profit sectors. Now, since joining the firm back in 1999, Donna has participated in over 500 search assignments for healthcare executives. She also serves on the Whitkeefer Board of Directors. Prior to joining Whitkeefer, Donna served in a national marketing role with a large Minnesota-based managed care corporation. She received her undergraduate degree from the University of Chicago and her graduate degree from Dominican University. Donna previously served on the board of National Association of Latino Healthcare Executives. Now she writes and speaks frequently to healthcare system trustees, CEOs, faith-based and other professional organizations on value-based leadership and career management topics. So Donna Padilla, thank you so much for uh, participating in this healthcare executive podcast. Chris, thank you for the wonderful introduction. Glad to be here. You have done so much, and we are uh, uh, so happy that you've carved out some time today uh, because you're the perfect guest for for this topic. Like I said, healthcare jobs in a post-pandemic market. The pandemic isn't post yet, but we're getting there. So this is this is uh, this is a very appropriate topic right now. So let's just let's just start with the obvious, Donna. If we if we could, there, there's no way that anyone can ignore uh, COVID nineteen has forever changed healthcare, uh, the landscape of healthcare in general. From from your vantage point, what what are the biggest changes and trends right now in employment and job searches, and not only right now, but if you can kind of look into the future? Right. So what I would say is that from a from a trend and a change perspective, uh, specific to healthcare, uh, it's really created a, a significant focus right on what's important. So from the recruiting lens. We saw maybe a short pause as the pandemic was hitting us all, and then, as you would expect in healthcare, an immediate back to action and a back to work. So, you know, have there been some pauses on non-critical roles and some reorganizations across systems? Absolutely. But the vast majority of systems have continued to sort of double down on those roles that are critical to the delivery of care uh, and the delivery of their mission. It's created opportunities to look at how uh, you're recruiting and meeting and networking with people differently. We can talk a little bit more about some of the leveraging of technology that that individuals are doing with each other. And, you know, I think it's, it's really created clearly financial pressure for health systems, but sort of a renewed focus on operational efficiencies, quality, et cetera. So it's been an all-encompassing challenge, right, for healthcare workers especially, the key piece that I've been so impressed and humbled by is just the coming together that we've seen between systems, right, even those that have traditionally competed in the past, to really deliver care to their community. Let's talk a little bit more about those positive signs and, and why yeah. um, why you're 
happy to see what you've been seeing, the silver linings, so to speak. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, I mean, things have changed, obviously, and it's, you know, change is, is challenging, but it's a good thing. We're talking about innovation. You, you mentioned mm-hmm. new technologies that, that, that mm-hmm. uh, are starting to be adopted even yeah. new ways to address racial disparities in the healthcare space. Yeah. What, are, what are some of the yeah. silver linings that you're seeing? Right. So, you know, first of all, I'd say, you know, uh, individuals as a whole have really sort of rededicated themselves to their careers. Those that were perhaps wondering why they got into it or forgot their purpose. Uh, it became sort of a, a crystal clear song for them around why they do what they do. So, while we have an awful lot of attention towards burnout and frontline workers, I, I think I would tell you that they all are you know, recommitted to the work that they do every day. So that's a pretty big silver lining, at least in my, uh, in my mind. You know, I talked a little bit about technology. Um, telehealth has been a piece that I think for, for years folks have looked at and tried to figure out the model. And overnight, <laughs> many organizations have um, quickly switched gears in that, and it looks to continue to be something here to stay, which obviously from a silver lining gives you a, a lot more ability to coverage those, those patients and those communities that you know, perhaps don't have something in, in drivable reach, so to, so to speak. They're also um, fast-tracking. Not only did we have the pandemic, but we've had, you know, an awful lot of conversation about racial disparities and and coming to the forefront. So at the same time as we've looked at that, it's how do we care for all of our populations and how do we look at teams to make sure that they're representing those communities that we serve. So it's been wonderful to watch those initiatives take much more of a, a center and front stage around awareness and opportunity. So those are some of the silver linings I'd call out, Chris. Yeah. Uh, regarding employers, what are some of the things that you're seeing right now, maybe opportunities that yeah. maybe weren't there before and now are, right. and, how, and how health systems are leveraging right. that? Right. It's been interesting. I, you know, I, I was joking with a system that they actually see some of the people they work with more now, <laughs> even though it's by Zoom, right? So it's been very much an all hands on deck piece and approach to them. It's brought individuals who are in different regions much more closer together to have to work arm in arm with each other. They've been able to unify clinics and disparate pieces of post-mergers that never really completely got together. This this world we're living in right now really uh, shuts out some of the noise uh, and allows that piece to pull people together in a way that's meaningful. You know, talent-wise, I would say that there have been many, many instances where there have been some hidden stars that have really come into their own in the crisis. Folks that thought they had an appetite for or an aptitude for leadership have had the ability to do so, right? And so, especially as I think of some of the physician and clinical leaders who've been really put front and center on this, they've been able to gain immeasurable leadership experience in a very short period of time. Interesting concept that we've heard a couple of times is, does this change the talent pool for some organizations that may realize they don't need all of their individuals in the same office every day. And with that, does that expand their ability to have some, what I'd call long-term remote or virtual employees that maybe weren't willing to move to the specific location of the organization, but they're able to pull that talent in uh, and link them in with a team. So there's 
the potential from a talent perspective to really broaden where you're uh, attracting candidates and honestly what you're requiring them to do from a relocation perspective. Yeah, it's it really incredible, you know, during a crisis like this, a pandemic that we are in, how yeah. unforeseen doors open. And that's that's what you were talking about right there. And and, and I guess, you know, when we're, we're looking at this. It's important to see that with all the ways that we're trying to work our way through this. Um, that is yeah. an extreme silver lining, at least from from our yeah. perspective. Is that a fair point? Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. I think the what we learn uh, here in a, you know, as we're having to learn uh, or forced to learn in some respects, my great hope and my optimistic hope is that we won't go back. Right. And we we take what we learn and leverage and optimize it instead of kind of going back to before. So. Yeah. Yep. Let's talk a little bit, you know, in our bio, in your bio, you know, I spoke about um, with Kiefer. So let's just explain to mm -hmm. the audience, if you mm -hmm. can, specifically mm -hmm. what it is mm -hmm. you do there and, mm -hmm. and what advantage mm -hmm. maybe a, an executive mm -hmm. search firm lends to a candidate. Yeah. So, and I'll, I'll talk specifically about with Kiefer, but broadly about sort of the retained search. So with Kiefer is what, what we would call a retained search practice. And as such, the firm um, engages with an organization, a health system, a life sciences organization, uh, to find talent uh, in a specific area, CEO, CNO, et cetera. And that's one piece of my work as the practice leader and as consultants that I work with across with Kiefer. But obviously, there is no search without candidates. <laughs> those, those are the individuals, right, that make up the great majority of the work. You need to have relationships with them. You spend an awful lot of time with them at very specific moments of transition in each of their professional careers. So I've been with the firm now 21 years, and I am privileged to say, and I know I've got colleagues across the industry in search that would say they've had you know, long relationships with uh, individuals that started in their first you know, vice president job and have moved now to CEOs of systems. So it's gratifying from the search firm perspective to watch that. You know, you asked, what does a, a firm lend to candidates? And I would say to, to, to those listening, it's very important to have a relationship with a search firm. You may very well never be placed by one, but the ability to get sort of a market lens where a national practice and have done, um, been in the business for 51 and a half years now, so we have the ability to see sort of across systems and mergers and history, and um, we're able to give that experience and connectivity and networking to candidates. So I would encourage anyone that's looking to remain engaged and know what's happening across the market, even if it's just to say what's happening in nursing or where are you seeing, you know, advances in, you know, financial structures, et cetera, within systems. A good search firm um, who's well-connected nationally can tap you into that and, and often make professional connections for you in other markets. So those are the sort of the connection points, Chris, that I think are helpful for the employer's leadership to stay engaged with a firm. And, and whether we're talking, Donna, about C-suite or, or, or mm -hmm. uh, another space in, in the healthcare mm -hmm. world, and, mm -hmm. and we're talking about a search firm such as as Whitkeefer and a candidate mm -hmm. working together. If it doesn't work out for mm -hmm. for whatever mm -hmm. reason, 
Um, yeah. You're going down the road and then you realize it's not the right yeah. fit. What, 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 yeah. What's the advice that you would have to, to that candidate and maybe to the employer that was expecting to hire on that candidate moving forward? Yeah. Yeah. So there's always, um, sometimes we're at yes, right? And sometimes we're at no, not right now. So I'm a, a firm believer that everything works out the way it needs to, although when you're in the middle of that, <laughs> it's not always as obvious, right? Um, yeah. So we, you know, you, 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 both sides of that party want to make sure that the fit is there, right? It's the quality guarantee we give our clients. It's the reason that we get work is based upon our reputation of how we have that, that supreme fit between the organization and the individual. But it doesn't mean that every time that a candidate applies for a job or interviews, they're going to be the person, right, or the candidate of choice. So, you know, my, my news to the candidate is it's better to know that before you accept the opportunity versus six months down the line realizing that there was not an aligned fit. So the more ahead of the formal offer, right? Formal acceptance that you're doing from a candidate perspective on vetting and the organization is doing from vetting and a firm, if they're engaged, is doing on vetting is so super critical. So you you go in eyes wide open around what are we asking this person to do, right? What's the culture of the organization? What's the expectation? What's the candidate like doing, right? Where are they most engaged at their highest use? So you know, someone jokes that it only ever takes one to fill a search, but candidates, I think, benefit from occasionally exploring opportunities. They learn more about themselves, learn more about what they want to do, and more about maybe where the, what they don't want to do, which is just as important. Definitely. That's a great point. From the employer perspective, and here in this pandemic we're living through, and in the post-pandemic world that hopefully comes sooner than later, what what should an employer think about when 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 right. deciding upon should I use an executive search firm here or can I do it on my right. own? Right. So there have been many organizations that we've worked with over the years that have used firms and and also many talent teams that have continued to grow and do search on behalf of that system internally. And we're proud to say we have lots of strong partnerships with both. Right. So it's not a one one is necessarily the right or one is the wrong. Often when you have a firm that you've engaged, even if there is a strong talent team, it's for, you know, very difficult searches or something where there's a massive national, you know, push or requirement, significant board interaction, something where the talent team really wants to remain neutral, right? So many CEO searches, et cetera, where you've got a lot of moving parts. So we've actually worked with and firms will work with talent teams and systems to say, hey, this one seems like something maybe you can do on your own. You've got a number of, you know, feelers already out in the market. You're sort of halfway there. When I would definitely point a, a, an organization through to a firm is when there's some of the newly created roles where you're looking for a lot of alignment. There's a lot of front work around stakeholders, engagement. If it's something where there's maybe not been someone as successful and looking to repivot. So part of the search firm's role in that is not only to find the candidate and go out to the market, which is super important, but it's the shepherding of the early stakeholder groups to make sure we're actually all describing the same person. And then the you know post-candidate identification where we're really doing interviewing, referencing, you know, assessments for fit, et cetera. 
So we, we partner even when we're doing searches, we partner very closely with the talent teams on that. But I, I can't underemphasize, Chris, how important that early alignment, engagement of stakeholders, it, it certainly helps the success of a placement because you've literally done the onboarding ahead of time so that people know what they're hiring, what, they'll, what leader they'll be bringing into the team. You know, you've been talking uh, this entire podcast about aligning and partnering. And how is this for a segue? You yourself have aligned (laughs) and have partnered with ACHE many, many times in your career. You've also served on the board of NALI. So what what are some, well, I guess why? Why are some professional membership organizations so important right now to maybe grab yeah. a hold of and be a part of? So critical, right? So uh, I'll use ACHE as an example, right? It's when when you have leaders that are on their own potentially, right, or in smaller systems or organizations, and they need to connect into colleagues, right, and best practices. It's uh, like having an adjacent resource right next to you at the touch of your hands. And I know Many leaders, whether it be NALI or ACHE or NASI or others, have really moved to identify not just with what's coming out of the association from a support perspective, but those relationships they've built over years, right? I, Congress is one example of that, right? We missed that. <laughs> and I, I know everyone missed uh, being able to be together. And so you can't underestimate how important, whether it's the career work that you all do or just that connectivity to someone else that, you know, just had the, you know, the second COVID um, rise in their region, right, and how they're handling it this time, I would encourage all the professionals to lean into that to share what they're learning. Uh, We're much better together in this pandemic, and I think associations, you know, create that optimal place for that sharing of that for each of those leaders. So that's that's where I see the, the value. Yeah, and there will be, you know, coming out of this, like like you said, we all missed Congress this year. All the plans were there, and then obviously um, it had to be uh, postponed and and ultimately canceled. And, you know, it is vital to have those. And moving forward, I wonder what it's going to really be be like because, like you said, connecting and the networking is so vital. Now, you can do that virtually, but nothing beats that person-to-person thing that hopefully we get back to sooner than later. I'm sure you have seen that personally in your career and you have benefited personally from that. Is that correct? Yeah. There's nothing like having a cup of coffee with someone, right? And just being able to do that in a uh, in a way where you're not, you know, scheduling a Zoom at 11 o'clock a.m., right? It's a, it's a more natural way of having that uh, connection point. So, you know, obviously, lots of virtual conferences, and I think everyone's doing the best they can. It's important to keep everybody safe, so we completely understand that, but we're just as anxious as everybody is to, you know, come back together in a large room. <laughs> I've never wanted to, you know, brush shoulders with uh, with other people so badly, right? And so I think I'm hopeful and optimistic at some point we'll get there, but un- until we do, the ability to create task force and small focus groups and even individuals creating their own, you know, professional networks with each other to check in and, you know, safe individuals that they can really bounce things off of. It's so critical to balance some of the intensity that we're seeing 
in um, you know in in this time and this world that we're living in. Yeah, this has been Donna. I want to thank you. It's been such an enlightening conversation, and uh, I, I would imagine that the listeners uh, are, are benefiting greatly from this because, like I mentioned, uh, you know, we've been talking about healthcare jobs in this pandemic and the post-pandemic market, and you were certainly uh, a leader in in expertise in that arena. So we appreciate your insight. We appreciate your time, and hopefully, we can uh, connect in person down the road. That sounds perfect, Chris. Thanks again for the opportunity. That is Donna Padilla joining us on the Healthcare Executive Podcast. And folks, we will see you next time. This has been the Healthcare Executive Podcast, brought to you by the American College of Healthcare Executives. If you've enjoyed the show, please consider rating and reviewing on iTunes or your podcasting app of choice. And for more information, find us online at ACHE.org.